Pay your dues and sew your name patch on your jacket. It's time for the 27 Club, the world's only podcast about the group so exclusive you have to die to get in. Hosted by fan club president Pete and uh, fan club mega president PJ. <laughs> I gave and myself have a bonus. Yeah, that's right. And we have a new recruit. We got we a membership card was filled out and mailed to us here at 27 Club Fan Club World Headquarters. Uh, I don't know which of our cities are where that's uh, P.O. Box 220 Anaheim, California. It's, it's the P.O. Box that's associated with our church, which yeah. is how we say tax free. Um, yeah. We we have a new recruit joining us. Yeah. Hi, uh, my name is Sean. I'm from Nashville. <laughs> hey sean welcome to the show <laughs> yeah. i think i was supposed to introduce you but i had a oh that's okay cord mishap um <laughs> and for anyone any confused listeners it's a new guest we we do have more than hey. the two friends that we keep having on over and over yeah. again so <laughs> um so basically sean and i don't know that i've shared this information with you Pete and I are not huge nirvana guys so we had to outsource oh. nirvana guys yeah. to be on our podcast yeah. i i have my doctorates in nirvana you are yeah very perfect lucky. so so when we were thinking about i mean when we knew that kurt cobain was going to be uh uh a subject of the podcast you immediately <laughs> came to mind where i was oh, like no. oh, you Sean. guys are giggling so much right now <laughs> I, I have no idea what i just walked into oh i don't know i don't know what you're talking about sean i gotta yeah. say it's we never we look this is a pretty serious show in general sure. uh yeah, sure. we take this Understood. music very seriously it's you know it's yeah. a lot of unfortunate deaths that we're talking about and none yeah. of them are funny or worth joking about no um so yeah i don't know i gotta say i don't know <laughs> yeah so so you're our first nirvana expert uh, yeah. we, we went through bleach by ourselves and we'll get to that a little later, I think. Yeah. Um, but we, 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 we went through bleach by ourselves and now thank God we have someone else to, to talk about Nirvana with. So. Yeah. So Sean or PJ Sean's uh, look, let's be frank. Sean's, I don't know, Sean. I don't know. I don't know shit about Sean. PJ, PJ brought Sean. So yeah. <laughs> So, so Sean might only have the one friend. Tell us about what are you? What? Two. Yeah. What do you? <laughs> what? What? What the hell is your problem, man? What's your deal? That's what I meant to say. <laughs> yeah, you, Sean. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, not much, man. Uh, Nirvana taught me how to play guitar. You nice. Know, one of those things. And uh, uh, I, and I, you're I, a musician I, by trade, right? I, I am a musician by trade. I guess that's uh, by accosting you about what is your problem and your deal. I really, I really wanted you to get to the fact that you're a musician. So you kind of know what you're talking about. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. 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 I, I do. I, I write the songs and uh, yeah. <laughs> I play nice. in a band. Yeah. You're in a Nirvana cover band then we can assume. I, uh, Nirvana adjacent cover bands. Mm. Uh, oh, they're okay. all originals. But, uh, oh, got I, it. I, 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 uh... <laughs> You want to, yeah, Good. it's that it's like cover band we... effect where you're like, I know this sounds like a Nirvana. It's like every Badfinger song. It's <laughs> like you're listening to this being like, this sounds exactly like another band, but I just can't quite figure <laughs> out are these covers or not. Right. Or it's like right. when Weird Al does a genre parody where he doesn't necessarily parody exactly. a song, but he parodies punk pop or emo, probably. I don't know that much about Weird Al. <laughs> you don't know much about weird al man no i know it's shocking PJ, um, that is very shocking 
Yeah, we talk about them a lot on the show. Um, we do. Everything what? we've heard, we love. I just, you know, I've definitely heard straight out of Linwood. And oh, sure. classics. I yeah. Mean, man, we're talking and classics. Canadian Idiot. Are, I've heard those. <laughs> mm. Dude, if he's ever rolling through your town, one of the best live shows you'll ever see in your life. I've heard that. He is coming to Portland, and I thought about it, except this is his tour where he just does his own originals. And like, while I'm sure it would be entertaining, I've never heard any of his originals in my entire life. So it it could be for me, I think, a a kind of boring show. Even I didn't know he did that. Yeah, he's done two now. He did one, I think, right before the pandemic and then is doing another one now. Or maybe he had to like stop it during the pandemic and is finishing it now. Something like that. You mean you don't know classics such as My Pancreas? that's not a cover there that's not a parody no cigar oh, no gosh i really don't i i'm sorry to say sean I we need to hook you up with music. one of our fans who has been <laughs> trying to get us to do a weird owl podcast so <laughs> right. sounds like you guys can can get started on i that. think you Perfect. and paul could probably do a pretty great weird <laughs> yeah. podcast. yeah oh shucks well so sean welcome to the show we're happy to have you Yes, uh, thanks for coming. What are let's look, we have at this point we're so deep into this podcast, we have to ask you about like 17 bands. So let's sure. get started in order. What are your opinions on the Beach Boys? Oh man, they're like they're top three for sure. Oh, I love that. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Do you I have a do you have a favorite album? Oh man, friends. Yeah. It depends, nice. friends, smile sometimes. <laughs> Uh, yeah. uh, Wait, which version of Smile? This is important. Uh, yeah. The I hate to be. I don't. I know there's probably a wrong answer, and I'm walking into a minefield, field. But the, whatever the ones on Spotify, yeah. Oh, okay. Basic bitch. So. I think that's the good <laughs> one. Well, yeah, because yeah, there's the one. there's the smiley smile one, and then like the re-release smile. From... I don't fuck with the re-release. Oh, okay. Wait, that's the one the that we the re-recorded. It, no, it's no, like no. it's like so the smile the, sessions one where they put together from demos oh, whatever smile was supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. 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 Which is the one that PJ and I both have. Again, it's like not a real album, but that's both of ours maybe favorite Beach Boys album or it's up I mean, there. Pet sounds. And then Smiley Smile, like the mm-hmm. original Smile. I like more than him, but I do not. It's like hit or miss. Original. I, would say. I don't like Smiley Smile. The re-release where Brian yeah, you sang some in the like '90s. That one's bad. Um, but then the Smile Sessions are right. great. They yeah. are. That is a masterpiece. Top notch. Heck yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, your opinions. Good opinions on the Beach Boys. You pass. Opinions on the Rolling Stones. Uh, I like the Rolling Stones. I only have heard maybe half their catalog because oh, those dudes just won't quit. Let me oh, tell you. <laughs> no, so, there's a certain well, point where you got to stop and yeah. it's going to be better for everybody. Yeah. Uh, the first time I ever smoked marijuana was to, uh, you got to move off sticky fingers. Wow. And that was the first nice. time I was like, oh, I'm hearing music. So I'd like to <laughs> thank the Rolling Stones for that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> great how about you guys uh rolling stones that's pretty groovy so rolling stones are interesting so basically we did the beach boys because i had always hated the beach boys growing up because i'd only ever heard their early hits and so i was like oh mike trash. Love. Mm-hmm. yeah a lot of, a lot of mike love heavy stuff 
Um, and then, so our podcast was basically Peter trying to get me to get into the Beach Boys, and we went album by album. And I, I like them now. And then the Rolling Stones is the opposite, where Peter hadn't really ever fucked with the Rolling Stones except for their hits, and I was trying to convince him to like it um, by going album by album. Yeah. So and I, you succeeded. I, yeah. I think yeah. the Rolling Stones are. I don't. I don't like any of them as people, but they have some pretty incredible, <laughs> some pretty incredible yeah. music. So sure. yeah. Um, and yeah, I I think the Rolling Stones like when they're good, they're very very good, and then otherwise they're mediocre or bad. <laughs> yeah and oftentimes all in the same album yeah yeah dude they go track by track yeah yeah that was the one thing we didn't quite agree on but my whole takeaway from the rolling stones was that they don't actually have a perfect album they do even their best stuff is still pretty inconsistent but no you're wrong they have two perfect albums but Uh, they're really okay pj what are the two perfect ones just to oh sticky fingers and um and uh exile on main street Okay, I can never listen to Exile. Oh, do yourself a favor, Sean. At least listen to to the first disc. The first disc is a perfect 10 out of 10, and then the second disc has like three good songs. Double album. I did not know that. Oh, dude, you're going to love the saxophone on it, man. (laughs) The saxophone. It's, yeah, it's saxophone heavy. Find a new drug. Maybe like try some heroin this time. You know, yeah, and like kind of make that your entry point into the, into this Rolling <laughs> yeah. Stones album, and that'll help. I think it would be appropriate with the album. Yeah, Perfect. yeah. Perfect. So, and now we're talking about the Twenty Seven Club. Uh, and what are what is your opinion, your knowledge, your history with the Twenty Seven Club, Sean? Oh man, what do you know? Let me tell you what. At growing up, it was a goal. Like I'm twenty eight. For you. Yeah, I was. Wow. I always wanted to be. Uh, the Twenty Seven Club was just like, oh man, these guys uh, flew too close to the sun and they just had to be taken out. Their wings yeah. had to have melted. And now that I'm 28, I go like, oh, poor little babies. Um, Sean, I'm sorry to Sean. I'm, real quick. I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, you're gonna have to. You're yeah. 27. You're 27. We're all we're all 27. Everybody here. on this podcast. You cannot be in the fan club without being 27. So, so. Well, you're in luck. I still have time then is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Time. You still have time and <laughs> yeah. And on the other hand at the very least, you know, you can be in the you can be in the fan club. So Heck yeah. That's what PJ and I have settled for because both of us <laughs> Look, neither of us really do drugs. Neither of us really drive our sports cars way too fast at night. Nope. Neither of us go swimming. Like yeah, you know, yeah. Neither of us go swimming when yeah. people who hate us are around. Like <laughs> there's not a lot of not a lot of opportunities. We don't think so. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, so in the Twenty Seven Club, do you have a favorite member? Oh man, yeah. I got. A, I mean, I got a couple. Uh, the big. Curdy Cobain would be number sure. one. Amy Winehouse is another one. Uh, yeah, Hendrix. You know, yeah. all, all all the big boys. Joplin. You know. Yeah. yeah. Scott. <laughs> Love him. He's yeah. quite the entertainer. Uh, <laughs> he's right piano. <laughs> he, is. he really is. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that's awesome. So you're on here expressly because, and only because, you're a fan of Nirvana. Believe me, you. It wouldn't even be a conversation aside from that. Yeah, huge. Huge. Um, So what's your, you said you learned guitar to Nirvana or those were just like the first songs you were learning on guitar? 
Yeah, yeah. Nirvana had... My dad had a huge CD collection in the basement growing up. And, like, I remember going through it in, in utero. It was like, oh, one of these is not like the others. And on the back, there was a song that had the R word me on it. And it was mm-hmm. like, oh, oh, I, this is this is naughty music. I must listen to it. And then the first four cl- drumstick clicks on Serve the Servants, it was like, oh, this melted my little 12-year-old brain. And I, I never went back. So Nice. Yeah. That's, That's awesome. a really respectable way to get into Nirvana. I feel like a lot of people get into Nirvana get into nirvana because they're like oh nirvana's cool like i'll start listening to nirvana i really like that you like found it kind of on your own you didn't really know about them before is that correct uh, yeah no that that's 100 correct like i i wasn't technically allowed to look at the cds so there was like this beautiful point where like you got off the school bus and my parents aren't home for work yet and yeah. i'd like swap the cds so it's like marshall crenshaw and a uh, thousand, 10,000 maniacs, you know, all this like 80s music. And then there was like this glimpse into the 90s. And there was, you know, Alice in Chains and stuff like that. And that's the kind of stuff that I was like, oh, my little angsty heart. I relate so much to the screaming. It's, yeah. It was nice. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, were, uh, yeah. So I think we, we've talked about, I just didn't ever Nirvana were just too I don't know. <laughs> they weren't too edgy because I was into other stuff that I considered edgy at mm-hmm. least in high school. So I just didn't like I just didn't like that kind of alt rock sound, I guess. Although I was into like weird bad new alt rock. So I, know, I, I never know what it was with them. What's yeah. that? Do you have examples of like other stuff you were into? Of like bad alt rock? Yeah, like I liked dumb bands like do you know rise against oh yeah yeah Yeah. i like like i liked that i liked uh oh man what's another good one just like i don't know kind of nickelbacky bands i didn't like nickelback but just like very generic kind of new like 2000s alt rock which is you know all basically existed because of nirvana i would say to some degree or the grunge (laughs) the grunge scene well and we can we can all thank neil young for the grunge scene that's right. Is he? I always forget. Is he the godfather or the grandfather? Did he birth it or was he adopted in when it was birthed by something else? By Seattle itself? Hmm. hmm. A good question. I never know. There's no way to know. I don't think no. we could look it up. We won't look it up. Um, my encyclopedia doesn't go that far. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, and I, so that's Peter's background. You know, he didn't, he doesn't really fuck with Nirvana. And I like liked a lot of Nirvana adjacent bands because like I I sure. really like grunge bands. I like Soundgarden and you know mm-hmm. Mudhoney and yeah Mudhoney of course. Um, but like I never for some reason Nirvana never like clicked with me. But yeah. I had not listened to a Nirvana album all the way through until last week. So oh dang! I think yeah. neither of us had. Well, no, I had heard in utero. I got it in high school at some point when, you know, all my friends were into Nirvana and I'd listened to it a few times and didn't didn't like it very much. So and it was unfortunate but. that the first Nirvana album that we both really heard all the way through with a critical year was Bleach. Um, yeah, we started chronologically <laughs> and it, it was maybe 
I don't know. It's sure. I we're obviously going to get to our opinions on Nevermind. Sure. Like sure. if we end up sure. liking Nevermind and In Utero, it might just make them a little sweeter because yeah. God, Bleach was something. Bleach. Else. Yeah, what are your what are your opinions on Bleach, Sean? Yeah, I got to go <laughs> on a fan about what the fuck Bleach is. Bleach is an acquired taste. Okay. Uh, what I say, it like I hate to be that guy, but it now is one of my favorite Nirvana records. Yeah. Like uh I think the guitar playing is a lot more complicated than as he progressed. He got like in, in the, in a good way, like the guitar playing got dumber, you know, right. like we're talking like three chord songs, but yeah. bleach was freaking almost had that like eighties uh, shredder die thing. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it still had a lot of that. You could tell like the punk scene, I mean, the record was, and it's an 80s record, so it sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like shit. I mean, we were listening <laughs> to the most recent remaster, and it sounds like garbage. It is yeah. so yeah. It's hard they, to listen it's to. It's like they recorded on one of those tin can things from the 30s, you know? Right. If there's there's a lot of trebs, man. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, his voice, I, I was like, I've heard Nirvana's hits on the radio and stuff, mm -hmm. and... I was at the point last week where I was just thinking, is this what Kurt Cobain's voice has always sounded like? Or, <laughs> and then listening to Nevermind, no, he has a fine voice. He just, for some reason, decided to do something different. Yeah. I don't like, even know it, what he yeah. was doing. It was awful. It, it, like, it doesn't sound like him, really. Yeah. yeah. It, they, were, they were such, especially in that point, I feel in their career, they were such like a live performance ba band. I mean, because. Yeah. You go through like the 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 pamphlet or the thing that came with the CD on Bleach, and there's pictures yeah. of Kurt doing like backflips and stuff on stage, and like that was his shtick. He was the wild, crazy man playing guitar, and then you go into like their Nevermind and Euro stage, and he has a hair swoop, and he's just standing there singing. He's so like yeah. over it kind of deal, and it's like, oh, that almost benefited the music in a way of just instead of doing the flips and crazy man stuff yeah yeah anyways interesting see this well, is why we have people like you on the, on the exactly <laughs> yeah we get that perspective you know sure sure wandering around in the dark um well let's go ahead and get in let's speaking of bleach bleach mm -hmm. just came out we talked about it last week it did not it did not do well they fired their guitar player they quit their tour early and they are starting work on their second album. Um, so in early 1990, uh, Kirk and Chris, and I guess Chad, although does he even count? I don't know. <laughs> Probably <laughs> not really. I, I, don't would, think so. I would love to ask him and get his opinion. Chad, do you count? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so they hook up with this guy named Butch Vig who uh had produced a, a band killer called... name jesus yes. christ that guy definitely works for the mafia <laughs> yeah great name he had produced a band called Killdozer that kirk was a big fan of uh and so he they reached out to him to produce their next album and went to his uh butch's personal studio in wisconsin to start recording some demos he recorded it in wisconsin the this first the part demos yeah. okay so they start recording they start recording in wisconsin they do a short little tour in the midwest while they like take a break and he starts mixing some stuff um 
So at some point during all this, Kirk strains his voice, and then Chad either quits or was fired, just like the Jason Everman fella. It's, you know, they the band says they fired him, and he says he quit. Um, they get rid of him, and so they are taking a break from recording because they don't have a drummer, and Kirk's voice is shot. So, sure. so now we get rock and roll's awkward, uh, over-enthusiastic dad. Finally, <laughs> finally, he enters the scene. Uh, so a couple different I found a couple of different stories on how they find uh, Dave Grohl. Um, so the first is that Kirk and Chris saw an episode of his awesome TV show, Sound City, where he went to Stack Studios and recorded a little bit. And they just thought, wow, this guy's so cool and into music. Um, so either Buzz Osborne, the high school friend uh, who was the founder of the Melvins. He either recommended Dave or they ended up at a show by Dave's uh, band Scream. Uh, maybe both, but unclear. Either way, Scream just happened to break up right at the time that Nirvana needed a new drummer and had seen Dave Grohl live and thought he was pretty good. So they flew him out to Seattle to try out for the band. Where did he live at the time? I think Scream were out of Washington, D.C. Oh, of weird. all places. Yeah. yeah I mean, which not I think, weird because there's a huge punk scene in Washington. I was about DC, to say, but... I think, yeah, D.C. did have a pretty big hardcore, like, yeah. punk alternative. I just scene. think it's. Isn't Jawbreaker from D.C.? Or are they yeah. from Seattle, too? I don't know. Um, I don't know, I but forget. D.C. had. There's some yeah. famous, yeah, band um, from D.C. I just too. didn't know that he was like a. I don't know. I just East Coast assumed guy. he was always a California. He's so guy. bland, he could be from anywhere. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's Dave Girl's so funny. It's basically there's just Dave Girl's done too much. Here's that like 10 years ago, I loved Dave Girl and thought he was really cool. And yeah. now he's just done too much fucking shit. Like he just needs to stop being in everything uh, all the have time. Have you guys seen the new movie that's coming out? It's a haunted house movie. I have not. I've With seen Dave the trailers Grohl? for it. Yeah. You've seen the trailers? I yeah, yeah Dave Grohl and all of Foo Fighters, R.I.P. Taylor Hawkins, starred wow. in a haunted house. Movie. Wow. And there's gags and jokes and one liners also. With some wow. classic rock and roll music. <laughs> sure, of course. Can't get <laughs> away from that. Thing. Dave probably pulled Are you up reading in his F one fifty poster, Sean? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, baby, that was from the heart. <laughs> Dave Grohl speaks to all of us, man. <laughs> uh, they're just going to redo that Portlandia bit about the haunted recording studio, I think. <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah, so he tries out. So later, Dave Grohl said, quote, I remember being in the same room with them and thinking, what? That's Nirvana? Are you kidding? Because on their record cover, they looked like psycho lumberjacks. I was like, what? That little dude and that big motherfucker? You're kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> uh which That's is a fantastic really good way to describe those two though yeah yeah, yeah. and then chris said we knew in two minutes that he was the right drummer so i mean look when you get the human version of the animal muppet you know he's the right drummer <laughs> yeah, for Nirvana. True. yeah. Uh, uh so by mid-july 1990 by the way uh a little personal life update kirk and tracy his first girlfriend had broken up uh and he started dating Toby Vale, the drummer of Bikini Kill, um, oh. whom, yeah, it's I feel like in we're getting so many 
ties. I mean, I guess we got a lot of that in the sixties, like a lot of, you know, people dating or being friends with other famous artists, but all these people really were. Yeah. Just all this big cluster. Um, so he first met her a few years earlier in Olympia when he started getting involved in the scene up there and apparently had been really obsessed with her. Uh, like the whole time was just, yeah. Uh, obsessed is really, I think the only way to put it at one point he threw up right in front of her. Cause he was like so nervous about talking to her. Oh, I do that before so. every record we do Pete. Cool guy. I'm yeah. Still nervous yeah. To talk to you. <laughs> yeah. So they dated for a while, but they did eventually break up before, like within a year, uh, because Toby realized that Kirk was looking for more of a mother figure and uh, did not appreciate the, uh, you know, implication that or the the work that put on her as a girlfriend. So fair. Very fair. Yeah. 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 So, but we do get a very important uh, moment in Nirvana history from them dating. So while they were together, Kathleen Hanna, the lead singer of Bikini Kill, uh, graffitied Kurt smells like teen spirit on a bathroom stall in reference to Toby's lady deodorant brand named Teen Spirit. Uh, So Kirk saw that and liked the way that little phrase sounded. I wonder if that's going to go anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, I think they end up having a B-side Kurt smells. Yeah. So, So by uh, mid-1990, I believe, that's around this time, uh, Sub Pop starts to have a lot of financial troubles. So it was rumored that they were going to be taken over by a major label. So Nirvana decided to split and go sign with a major label themselves uh, instead of just waiting to see who they get absorbed by. Weirdly, they end up signing with an imprint of a major label. So, like, it's the same thing as Stain yeah. Sub Pop. But they hated Sub Pop, so it makes sense they wanted to leave. So, uh, But they end up signing with DGC, which is under Geffen Records. Uh, and DGC had Sonic Youth uh, on, their, on their roster. So the, the personal recommendation of, Kim, of the female Traveling Wilbury's own, Kim Gordon, uh, oh, got, wow. them on, got them on DGC Records. So... Yeah, I can't believe they got one of the female Wilburys. No, it's amazing. And just it's crazy. Like we've never really talked about when they got together because the traveling Wilburys, obviously, as we know, got together in 1988. It was kind of. Yeah, exactly. It was around yeah. this time. And it was kind of, you know, after the peak of their careers, um, it really started a second peak for all their careers, of course. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. So but, but I think. You know. The yeah. female traveling Wilburys and Sean, just, I don't know how much you know about the female traveling Wilburys, yeah. but it is uh, Meg White. Uh, yeah, oh. Meg White on drums, Kim oh, Gordon uh, on bass, Kim Gordon on bass, oh, Kim Carnes on, on vocals, <laughs> Kim Carnes on vocals, <laughs> and Saint Vincent on guitar. Yeah, they really came together at all different parts of their careers. You know, is really yeah, it's, it's the beginning of some, end of others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. The new label wants to bring in some fancy city slicking producer with greased up hair and jangling spurs, but they decide to stick with Butch. Um, Although they do bring him out to LA uh, to finish recording at Sound City Studios. Hey, Hmm. that's where Dave got it, apparently. Yeah. Uh, So do you want to guess? So we know that Bleach cost them $600 that fired guitar player, uh, jason everman paid out of his own pocket 
Do we want to guess uh, how much their budget is this time around from DGC? Six fifty. Six hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. Six hundred fifty in one penny. Yeah. That's, add uh... add some zeros. Their budget is sixty five thousand dollars. One hundred times the budget of the first album. <laughs> so this thing better sound fucking good. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, honestly, I'm sure a lot of that is just whatever like indie studio they recorded in in seattle compared yep. to the cost of recording at sound city in in la so yeah uh makes so, sense so they're recording with butch everything's going smoothly um they get like the drum and bass tracks done in just a few days for everything and then kirk spends a lot of time with butch doing guitar and voice overdubs He's apparently really hesitant to do vocal overdubs until Butch tells him that that's what John Lennon did, man. So hmm. pretty cool. Double track. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, which I think, and we'll get to this when we actually listen to the album, but so they credit Dave for backing vocals on the album, but I, it sounds like Kirk just like double track doing a lot of the backing vocals. I've always had that theory too, man. Yeah, it really sounds just like him, especially on, I forget the specific name of the song, but when we get to it, I'll point it out. Um, That's a good so, point. I never, I didn't yeah. hear Dave Grohl a single time on this album. Right. I mean, he's credited with backing vocals, but who knows? I don't know. Uh, maybe he recorded them and they got rid of them, so he still <laughs> yeah, technically got the maybe. credit. <laughs> uh, so songwriting-wise, as we know on their last album, Kirk was really uh, anxious about being too poppy and not being cool and grunge enough, but he leans into his poppy side this time around, influenced a lot by R.E.M. and the Pixies. He wanted it to sound like, and this is a direct quote, the Knack and the Bay City Rollers getting molested by Black Flag and Black Sabbath. Oh. So, <laughs> I'm glad yeah. that he said something about getting molested in there. I oh, wouldn't have known what he meant otherwise. <laughs> They also popularize the quiet verse loud chorus song style. Um, I don't know. I'm like, I can't really think of obvious examples before this. There's no way they invented that, but they definitely uh, popularized it, at least in like, you know, rock music, I guess. The birds. Whole, sure. Sure. Even like the pixies like come to mind. Yeah. 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 Doolittle record. So, yeah. But they definitely make that a. They definitely make that the starting point of every teenage songwriter today with a guitar in their basement. <laughs> so, uh, dirtbag, man. Yeah. So Dave Grohl also said that they talked about the songs being like children's music because they wanted to make them really simple and straightforward. Like you were talking about Sean doing a lot of, was that before we started recording? I don't remember. No, that, that was on record. Okay. Doing a lot of, yeah. Simple three chord songs. Um, so they did, um, try and do their singles what am i trying to say they did record sliver uh which doesn't is not an album track but they submit as a single before the album to try and prepare nirvana fans for their poppier sound so uh hmm. we could maybe yeah give a little listen to sliver sorry i forgot to give you a heads up before we started but oh, jesus uh, so and then the last kind of songwriting thing is that a lot of the lyrics are influenced by Kirk's breakup with Toby Vale. 
which is a big change from the lyrics on the previous record, which were influenced by whatever Kirk was thinking about the night before they started recording, I think. So, <laughs> supposedly. Although even with this, he supposedly was like, uh, we'll, we'll get into this more later. He really doesn't care about lyrics that much, but he's doing a lot of writing like as they're recording just so they have something. Night and day from Bleach. Like you can you just, hear what he's saying. There's like melodies. Definitely poppier, man. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just love that it's about his. He's a grown man talking about his grandma. That's that's punk, though. So after they finish recording, they mix the or butch mixes the album and they don't really like his initial mix and apparently butch is unhappy with it too so dgc offers up some famous producers who've worked with uh other bands like rem and the ramones they decide they want someone less well known and spring for this guy who produced slayer's 1990 album uh because they want since it's a popular album they want to try and make it as heavy kind of sounding as possible when it's mixed Mm -hmm. so makes sense they can kind of ride that line. So they get it mastered, uh, they get it mixed, and they are really, really happy with the final sound as it goes out to the presses. I guess you press CDs. Oh. Um, so, and then one, one snafu at the end when it was being mastered was that the guy who was mastering the album forgot to add the final track which was endless nameless and it was supposed to be a hidden track with like 30 seconds of uh blank tape um but he forgot to send it out and it initially came out without it and kirk had to call him and tell him to you know add it on so unclear i don't know exactly like how long they were releasing the album without endless nameless but that's definitely the official version according to kirk so we'll include it in our track by track for sure it's got to be a rare version of that CD then, eh? I would think so, yeah, because when we get to the release, it like, it's, they don't release as many copies. They, they under, what am I trying to, they underestimate demand. Mm-hmm. So I would think with like production delays, that would have gotten on there for most of like the people who bought the album when it became huge. So, yeah, I don't know. So, but, so they love the album or at least butch and like other band members later on swear that everyone was happy with the way it was but in interviews after it comes out kirk like lambasts it and says it's way too slick it's way too commercial it sounds doesn't even sound like real rock music you know why'd this label force us to release this piece of crap kind of stuff um so butch has theorized in you know uh later years that kirk really just like it, it would not be rock and roll enough to have a hit album and then be like, yeah, we love this, this commercial hit album. We have to pretend we don't like it. So, yeah. Plus as we'll get to, I think probably more on our next episode and even more on. Yeah. When we talk about his death, he struggles a lot with, you know, yeah. um, With their, with balancing their, their fame basically versus like their art. So he's definitely, he undersells their 
their ambitions a lot, I think. So the album cover, we could definitely, we yeah, kind of taught, we kind of joked about doing a whole episode about the album <laughs> cover because we honestly probably could. But we're, you know, we're not that kind of show. <laughs> we're not one of those dumb shows that does like an episode per song or some shit. So, yeah, so fucking lame. Yeah. For the sake of time, the album cover, which everyone has to know, it's probably one of the, the sexiest album covers famous Let me album covers that. of all yeah. time like I, yeah. it's probably the most famous album cover of all time right i got it probably not i would say abbey road is probably the most famous. yeah that's okay abbey road but this it is, might be number two this is it really might be five for sure maybe number yeah. two yeah and in terms of yeah abbey road's a good thought in terms of like being reproduced for like posters and t-shirts at you know uh target and spencer's yep. gifts and all that it's got to be up there sure. yeah yeah it's got to be top three yeah so well, what would number three be if these are the top two? Oh, uh dark side of the moon yeah uh, yeah, yeah so kurt got the idea for this album cover when he was watching a tv show about water births uh so <laughs> <laughs> so he reached out to geffen's art director and the guy found some photos of water births, but decided they were too graphic and too expensive to use. Um, they like apparently looked far enough into it that they, yeah, they looked into licensing a photo of a water birth and it was way too expensive. So um, he enlisted a photographer to shoot a photo, to shoot their own photo of a newborn baby in a pool or of a not newborn. I mean, like not a water birth, but just a baby in a pool. Um, so some, again, there's a, many different like versions of this tale. I'd always heard that the photographer like got the job and then just called up his friend who had just had a baby and had him come over and they just did that. Uh, the Wikipedia page, uh, says that he went to a quote pool for babies which I didn't know existed. <laughs> and they um, let him in with a camera? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so he went to a pool for babies and shot five different babies, including his friend's baby, and the band chose, like, from from five different shots. So I have not heard that story before. I hadn't either, but, uh, you know, it's Wikipedia. Wikipedia doesn't lie, except about Ringo Starr, so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but they get their final shot of the baby reaching for a dollar bill on a fish hook. Subtle guys. Which is um, photoshopped in, right? That is. Uh oh, that's a really good question. I believe I did so. not think about that. I you're right that it probably has to be, because that would be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, they didn't even put the babies in the water. They put the dollar bill in first. And then all jumped. Yeah. That <laughs> kid loves money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, as we know from recent things with him, he does love money. Oh, man. So Geffen. Yeah, we'll get there. We're, we're almost there, PJ. <laughs> so Geffen worried about the cover because the baby's little penis was showing. Uh, and so they worked up a version where they edited it out, edited it out. And uh, but Kirk stood firm, saying the only way he'd put the album out was either penis showing or a sticker over the penis reading. If you're offended by this, you must be a closet pedophile. <laughs> um, which pretty fair, pretty fair, Kirk, I got to say. Um, so Geffen gave in, released the album as is. And like we said, it is the most common way everyone has now seen a baby's penis, no matter 
who True. you are or where you've been in life. So, well, I unless you went you to my house, baby boy, you know. <laughs> yeah. Unless you went to my house growing up where my mom, for some reason, had a picture of me as like a one-year-old in the bathtub, butt-ass naked, just in our house. I think so. everybody's mom's got that. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. Where Where in the house? I believe it was in the bathroom. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. It's, I never considered it a day in my life until I was probably like 16 or 17 and had some friend over. And they said, is that a, is that a you in the tub naked as a baby? And I said, yeah, what are you? And they're like, that's kind of weird. Right. And I said, apparently it is. (laughs) You didn't put a sticker over it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So now, uh, yeah, there's currently an ongoing lawsuit over this album cover. So the kid who is named Spencer Eldon, um, had spent much of his life doing interviews about the cover. He reposed for it in like a pretty famous shot for some magazine. He has um, never mind tattooed on his chest. He has like never mind life. tattooed on his chest. Yeah. So has spent a while. I, I don't want to say taking advantage, but just kind of being, uh, you know, living with, uh, living with this. Yeah. Uh, so apparently recently he started to regret and rethink all of this. Uh, and filed a lawsuit. I think it was in 2020 or 2021. <laughs> oh. Well, I think Sean just went and kicked a cat. Yeah. Uh, no, he's a talker, man. He's a lead singer. <laughs> nice. This Sorry. is the show of cats. We always have cats going on. Yeah, there's always a cat doing something. There was yeah. one really good sound drop where it was like a, a glass breaking, and then a rare, and then he It was <laughs> literally that while PJ was, yeah, reaching for something. Um, so he filed a lawsuit against Cobain's estate, uh, Dave Grohl, Kirk, Chris Novoselic, and uh, the photographer, I think, yeah, for those four, uh, for violating child pornography laws, and he sued for, um, for damages. So the case was eventually dismissed, but they refiled it in January 2022, and then there oh. hasn't really been much movement on it since yeah. then. So, Well, for it to be yeah. pornography, does it not have okay. to be of a sexual nature which i believe this album cover is not uh i think the fact that you can't show like all of the naked human body in most movies without an nc-17 rating no matter whether it's in a sexual context right interesting well yeah i don't know pg-13 uh movies have boobs in them right but just boobs I guess it's not a wiener. You're right. You're right. Because I think, yeah, I think, I think penis in a non-sexual context you can do in an R movie. I kind of think vagina might be limited to NC-17. But I don't actually know off the top of my head. I don't think I've ever seen a vagina, a movie that wasn't viewed on my (laughs) phone with a vagina shot. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. But either someone can correct us. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so, but I mean, it was the case was dismissed because, like, he filed this lawsuit, and then the the lawyers for you know the band members and the photographer just said like, yeah, but you have been loving this <laughs> for the last. Yeah, basically. And also just like, yeah, a photo of a baby's penis does not pornography make. 
Um, and then his side just never responded. Uh, and so it was like, it was dismissed, you know, by default basically. But then, like I said, like they refiled or they like appealed it, but I don't know. I don't know what's happening with that. So we'll see this, you know, if you're listening, look, by the time this comes out, you might be listening to this and you're like, this isn't the album cover anymore. We can't, we can no longer see the Nirvana album cover. They had to change it to their. Their second, they had to go to everybody who ever bought that CD or albums, yeah, and go put a sticker over it, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Smack it right out, um, yeah. yeah. So, we'll get into a little bit of like the after release before we go track by track, um, yeah. So, after the album was released, Geffen was prepared for it to be a modest hit, like, like I said, like on DGC, they had Sonic Youth, which were a you know popular but not world famous band, but like, yeah, they were expecting it to be kind of in that in that range so they sent half of the initial and they knew obviously they were big in the pacific northwest um so they sent half of the initial u.s shipment of albums to the pacific northwest where it immediately sold out um and they let that left you know only half that shipment across the rest of the united states and so the album was pretty much impossible to find for a while after it was first released in september yeah 91 <laughs> So they paused production on all their other albums to try and catch up, but it wouldn't stop. The Smells Like Teen Spirit music video, which was first played on MTV's late night um, alternative rock show, made it to the daytime rotation that fall, and the album started its ascent into the stratosphere. Uh, it took about four months. I believe it was in January 92. The album went number one. And as one... Where is this quote? As one... Geffen executive put it it was one of those situations where you just duck and get out of the way he's like we just just keep making albums and do not do anything just sell as many as you can because it got so big so yeah. fast we'll talk about all this more in detail on their next on the next episode um you know about the how famous they get and all the kind of fallout from that but for nirvana they go on a european tour in the fall of 91 and since it's the 90s, they're not super connected like you would be today. And so they just start noticing like, hey, these crowds are getting bigger and bigger and like rowdier and rowdier. And there's like all these people are interested in us who don't look like our usual fans. And like, you know, they're, I assume, getting phone calls or they're logging on at an Internet cafe to check their email um, and, you know, getting. Yeah. Being like, yeah, your MTV video is like the most popular video in the country right now. And they're in whatever germany like okay i guess no. um, they're, yeah all of a sudden they start just getting yeah people interviewing like tv stations interviewing them and stuff and they're like we don't we don't know what's going on <laughs> so hmm. that's pretty wild. wild yeah we'll talk a lot more yeah about that in detail yeah i think and the lead up to in utero but it is kind of an interesting it feels very old-fashioned for the night like it feels like a way an album would get popular like back in the 60s where they like release it they like try and, you know, target the audience. They like release a few singles and it like slowly climbs and becomes kind of a like natural hit, basically, as opposed to now when it would just all be algorithmic and they would be releasing the singles over like two years beforehand to try and get people excited. And, you know, yeah. the whole cycle of release is so different now, but it really is a, yeah, like a groundswell kind of uh, hit, which is interesting. So now we're it's time for one of our favorite segments. 
uh, returning segment, we have our Rolling Stone review. Ooh. Yeah. Rolling Stone. We missed it last week because they were not famous enough when Bleach came out for Rolling Stone to pay attention. So, but we do, we do have a November 1991 review of Nevermind. That's his grandma over there. This little thing called like a Rolling Stone. All right. So, it was written by Ira Robbins. Uh, and like I said, it came out in November 1991. A name I'm not familiar with from Rolling Stone. Not at all. I think the only person I know from this era, though, would be um, Cameron Crowe, right? Like, I don't know that there's, there's really... There, there was another guy. Um, yeah. Cameron Crowe. It was like Cameron Crowe wrote with... Not wrote with him, but like traveled with him a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, Ira starts out saying, despite the hand-wringing the fanzines do each time an indie rock hero signs a major label deal, um, righteous post-punk stars from Husker Du, or Husker Du? Husker Du? Husker Du, um, To Soundgarden have joined the corporate world without debasing their music. More often than not, ambitious left-of-the-dial bands gallantly cling to their principles as they plunge into the depths of commercial failure. Integrity is a heavy burden for those trying to scale the charts. Led by singer-guitarist Kurt Cobain, Nirvana is the latest underground bonus baby to test mainstream tolerance for alternative music. Uh, the Washington State's trio's version of the truth is probably as credible as anyone's. A dynamic mix of sizzling power chords, manic energy, and sonic restraint, Nirvana erects sturdy melodic structure, uh, sing-along hard rock as defined by groups like The Replacements, Pixies, and Sonic Youth, but then attacks them with frenzied screaming and guitar habit. When Cobain revs into high-punk gear, shifting his versatile voice from quiet caress to raw-throated fury, the decisive control abrasis Chris Novoselic. They spell his name wrong, weirdly. <laughs> um, they call him Chris, not... It's Chris with a K, right? Unless yeah, I've been Chris getting that right. K yeah. and a T, yeah. Yeah, they have Chris with a C-H-R-I-S. Uh, and drummer Dave Grohl is all that, keep, is all that keeps the songs from chaos. If Nirvana isn't onto anything altogether new, Nirvana does possess the songs, character, and confident spirit to be much more than a reformulation of college radio's hits. There you go. Mm. Oh, we get a little bit of Bleach. Nirvana's undistinguished 1989 debut relied on warmed-over 70s metal riffs, but the thrashing Nevermind boasts an adrenalized pop heart and incomparably superior material captured with roaring clarity. Uh, most of the songs exemplify the band's skill at inscribing subtlety onto dense, noisy rock. Um, too often, underground bands squander their spunk on records they're not ready to make, then burn out their energy and inspiration with uphill touring. Nevermind finds Nirvana at a crossroads, scrappy garage land warriors setting their sights on a land of giants. So, pretty good review. Obviously. Yeah. Um, although, Rolling Stone does seem to be more into this uh this genre so you know it's not quite like a led zeppelin thing where they just hated hated all that kind of stuff yeah um they're now they're okay with bands with rock bands repurposing old sounds into a new sound so um yeah well should we take a little break and then come back and do our track by track real quick i'd like to share a fact with you i just um learned um, so I think everybody's familiar with the fact that uh, Shel Silverstein wrote A Boy Named Sue for Johnny Cash. 
He also Ooh. wrote on the cover of the Rolling Stone for Doctor Hook and the Medicine Show. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Heck yeah. Anyway, yeah. Incredible. Well, yeah, let's take a little break and uh, we'll be back and we'll go track by track. And we're back. <laughs> Welcome back to to never mind uh, about the bollocks. No, silly. Uh, never mind by Nirvana. Um, we are almost ready to go track by track. The album came out in September 1991. It ended up like I said. Like oh my god! Before the break, ten years before 9/11. Yeah, exactly. So just um, everybody keep in mind this is pre 9/11. This album. <laughs> well, all of our all of our uh, Gen Z listeners won't even know what 9/11 is, so it's That's no problem. A, a good point. Yeah. A good point. Yeah. Uh, it went to number. It ended up going to number one in the U.S. after several months, and it, t- it peaked at number seven in the U.K. I feel like it's been a while since we've had an actual U.S. and U.K. chart listing. For yeah, a been band. a long time. Um. There were four singles from this record, all that came out, I think, after the album came out. Uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit uh, went to number six, by far the highest one. I'm surprised that did not go higher, actually. Me too. Um, I mean, it definitely is one that, like, is a literal constant. Like, it it will always be in every rock radio station's rotation for the rest of time. So in that way, it feels like it's maybe a bigger hit than it apparently kind of was but yeah uh come as you are was the second single it went to number 32 lithium went to number 64 and then in bloom uh only went to number five on the rock charts did not hit the the hot 100 so those are the singles i for how big this album was i'm legitimately surprised at how low all the singles went me too Um, Especially again, because all four of those are like huge rock radio songs now. And I'm surprised they didn't, you know, at least get a couple of those into the top 10 or yeah. I'm, I want to see what else was on those charts. Like I want to see what else was on the chart. Oh yeah. Smells like teen spirit was six with the top. I did not look that up. Honestly, I know, I know when Nirvana went number one, it displaced a Michael Jackson album. <laughs> so the nineties were a weird early nineties, man. Music was all over Strange the place. Strange time, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into it. The very first track smells like teen spirit. And if you haven't heard this song before, I don't know what to tell you. If you haven't learned this song on guitar, whether you know guitar or not, I don't know what to tell you. Uh so this is the one of two songs that are credited to the whole band. Otherwise, all the songs are just credited to Kurt Cobain. Apparently, Sean was telling us that uh, 
Oh, yes. This yes. is a rare uh, all-band recorder. Which, yeah, which is one of those things I didn't know of. Um, there's Setless Apprentice, which yep. Dave Grohl brought the guitar lick and the drums, and Kurt did the guitar, kind of put together the song, if you will. And yeah. to know that this song later, I, I wonder if it was like all the success the song had. Everyone else was like, hey, man, <laughs> we want to retire too, you know? Yeah, yeah. Except they that's broke, actually, they yeah. To spin off into a movie yeah, that's a <laughs> legitimately good point. I kind of, I do wonder about that. Um, I mean, there's, I don't know. Is there anything to say about this song, musically or otherwise? It's, I don't uh, know that I can fairly no. say anything about this song because I've heard it so much. Sure. I, I know it's uh, it's Boston's More Than a Feeling and Louie yeah. Louie by yeah. the Kingsman, you know? It's like they oh. definitely... Yeah, so Nirvana used to like fake out the crowds a lot and they'd play the opening lift and it was More Than a Feeling kind of stuff. Huh. So, yeah, they rickrolled before people rickrolled, which Dave Grohl actually rickrolled with Rick Astley with this song. So, it lives on. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Our TikTok correspondent, Sean. Thanks, Sean. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, this song, I mean, is it a bad song? No, I don't think so. But no, it's I, a great song. It's just been played yeah, to death. That, right. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good song everybody's heard the song a million times i don't think we were breaking any new ground saying anything about it i will say i do not love the clean tone on the guitar right at the beginning so yeah that's something they use throughout this album and i was going to talk about on a different song yeah he uses i guess i actually found he used a chorus pedal for that a lot weirdly i thought it sounded more like phase to me but um I'm no guitar player, so but he uses you a chorus are. pedal for that a lot. And I mean, not in a while. <laughs> Let's be real. Uh, so I, d- I don't love it. That's maybe the one kind of musical ding on this album for me is just I don't love that sound. And especially because they like popularize that sound to a degree that now just every shitty rock band does that. And it's I, d- I just don't love that that guitar tone. Yeah, I think either go all the way clean or use as many effects as you want. You know, it's this weird in between where it just sounds kind of like dinky. You know? Yeah. the The thing that blows my mind most about this song is that it took over the radio, it took over the world, if you will, and it's over five minutes. Yeah. That's blasphemy. Like yeah. if a song was on the radio today at five minutes, I mean that's literally two songs. Yeah. That's, that's a good that's point. Do you think Do you think Geffen did the Bohemian Rhapsody thing where they laughed him out of the room when they thought this should be the lead <laughs> single, and then they said, we'll show you. <laughs> I, You know, I've always heard the rumor that thought Lithium was going to be the one that blew up. Like, that was going to be the big one. Hmm. Yeah. It smells like Teen Spirit took off, and they were like, this song? Which, understandably so. But, yeah. So I'm curious... Yeah, I was I was wondering if the music video was maybe cut down, but it's not. It's 4:40. It looks like the official music video that I assume was the you know huge MTV hit. So yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so I'll talk about this now a little bit uh, before we. I mean, when we transition to the next song, I think the reason I didn't 
want to get into Nirvana. And I think I talked about this a little bit last week. It's like the opposite of Sean, where when I was starting to play guitar, everybody kept saying Kurt Cobain was such a like great guitarist. And I didn't hear it. I was like, no, I don't think he's that good. I think there are like people who are like technically way better than him. And so I think that just annoyed me a lot about Nirvana. This is in bloom. Um, and, uh, and like, so now like retrospectively listening to this after, you know, being a guitar player for many years, like he's good. He's not technically like super proficient or anything, but like he makes it work for his sound. And like, see, I can that, appreciate that now. Yeah. That's where I see, uh, bleach. It's like, you see his technical, how yeah. technical he can be. And this one is just like feedback. Yeah. Just like, okay. um, um, PJ, can you restart this song and turn the volume up a little bit? And yeah. for for us and the listeners, just ask yourself: Did Chad Channing ever do anything even close to this? Because because no, he he did not. They did a good thing with getting Dave Grohl. Yeah. I mean, yeah. one and of it, the it gets better the on this game, song yeah. too. Like that's not even the best drumming. He, um, Dave Grohl, I never really realized how John Bonamy he is. It's wild. He is channeling that hard on this album. It, there was a Kurt interview once, and they were talking about uh, comparing uh, Dave Grohl to John Bonham, and Kurt Cobain just kept, kept saying John Bonham. And I think that's the funniest thing in the world. It was like an empty re-interview. It was like John Bonham. Uh, anyways, um, the lyrics in this song, I feel, are incredible. I yeah. love the lyrics so much. See, and I that's really my do thing. too. I think in people always like talk about how he's a great lyricist, and then they give the example of like "Smells Like Teen Spirit." But this is the lyrics are so much better on "In Bloom." Yeah. yeah. Also, that drumming is. I know that drum fill. And like the perfect timing of holding it like a beat later, it's so great, man. Oh yeah. Uh, a little side note, uh, PJ. Uh, in in, in uh, Sturgill Simpson's cover. Yeah. I, I know this is a little, uh, little maybe side. Uh, what do you, how do you opinions on on oh, a cover covering Nirvana is such a feat. Um, well, uh, to do it differently, it is like I mean, every middle schooler at a talent show will, will cover Nirvana. <laughs> Um, but Sturgill Simpson's cover is great. I mean, I like basically anything Sturgill Simpson does. So okay, okay. Um, I can't he, stand it. Really? Yeah. No. I, I could take or leave it, and that's by far my least favorite Sturgill Simpson album. So I, I'm pretty. Yeah, I don't care very much. I liked for it. it. I think I didn't realize it was a Nirvana cover for the first couple of listens, and I thought, oh no, this is that Nirvana song. Yeah. He he changed the lyrics. That was my one budget. Okay. I could have been, mm-hmm. been cool, but there's like a couple of lyrics he like tweaked. I'm like, uh. hey man, do you go and tweak the Mona Lisa? Huh? Do you <laughs> go and tweak David? Do you put arms on David? Well, that one guy did tweak the Mona Lisa with that pie a few weeks ago. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Let's go to Come As You Are. Uh, here is one thing, having never listened to Nevermind, uh, that I did not realize is that the whole first half is just all of their hits. 
Yeah. Like, I, I never realized how stacked this album was. I kind of thought their stuff was spread out a little bit more among the albums, but it's front loaded. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> this uh, this guitar riff and that melody over top is actually very, very complicated. It's so strange how they like layer on top of each other. Also, his hometown of Aberdeen, Washington, has "Come as You Are" as their like welcome sign into the oh, city. Cute. Oh, that's cool. It, it is cool, but I would love to pick this brand. And it's like, are you like, is that something you would roll your eyes at? Or is that something like, oh man, I made it. Like, oh, you know, he my, would hate home... it. I, yeah, he he I, would yeah. probably fucking hate it. <laughs> it's like one of those. Uh, well, yeah. that's like, that's like something a, a, a listener wrote in and they were talking about how they're an older guy. Mm-hmm. And they remember, like, knowing who Nirvana was and then remembering when Kurt Cobain died and um, thinking, oh, well, now he's going to be a big deal. Which I think is, Whoa. like, yeah. Uh, it's crazy to think that there were some people with that mindset where they were like, I mean, like, I was never super into Nirvana, but now that he's immortalized, it's going to be sure. huge. You know? Like, if, if he hadn't died early, would that be on their sign you know that's a great point probably i mean i think dave grohl's success has shown us that there is definitely life after nirvana and like i mean i i don't know exactly but i'm getting the feeling from reading about nevermind that they were famous enough like him dying definitely was made him immortal but i feel like they as like a group would have been like it wouldn't have affected their kind of legacy that much unless maybe they just started releasing crap music after 1994 right and that's i think like maybe what would have happened i mean you never know you never know you know it's Uh, like yeah the beatles are great because they didn't make a bad album after like four great ones in a row you know uh so come as you are is a really really good example of the crappy like clean chorusy tone guitar i think and I don't like it. Like you're right, Sean. Like the riff is really cool. I just don't like the effect on it. Sure. Um, and that's a lot of this album for me, where it's like I do really like the riffs and the song as a whole, but that yeah. the guitar tone could change a little bit, and it would make make the song a little better. I think a little better. Yeah. One thing I do I do appreciate though is like if you go in, especially in this moment of music, like Pearl Jam. Uh, let's just use the big Pepsi and Coke kind of argument. Um, the guitar solos, like Smells Like Teen Spirit and Come As You Are, they're just literally melodic guitar solos. Right. Which, yep. uh, I mean, a lot of other music happening at this time was very much shreddery kind of stuff. As far as pop record goes, it's like, yeah, that's pop, baby. <laughs> like, yep. Get that melody and beat it in, you know? I don't know. For sure. The drums in this song, though, by the way. Now we're to Breed. Yeah, Breed goes pretty hard. I like, the, I love the guitar tone on this one. I will say. Me too, man. Crank. Oh, fuck, dude. And That's this song. Crazy. So, weirdly enough, Chris has not, like, impressed me a ton so far. He's just kind of been there. This is one of the first songs where it really stood out to me because he's playing the opening guitar riff pretty much the entire time, 
and then Kirk jumps to like these really high chords throughout the chorus and doing some like noodling and stuff and it's a really nice like three-man interplay that they're doing this whole time where they could just be doing like power chords and root note bass sure. but it's impressive sure. I uh yeah uh, again like I, I hate to, to go back to lyrics it's like one of those things um i feel like these sarcasm is something that gets lost in grunge and nirvana has so much of like we can plant a house we can build a tree it's like that's so a sarcastic and gloom is chock full of that too uh very much eye rolling kind of lyricism rather than like this yeah. dark brooding stuff that they're known for it's, yeah uh, there's there's a lot of eye rolling. Yeah, there's. Kurt Cobain is a weird figure because <laughs> uh, there. I mean, he does like obviously have a lot of humor, but then a lot of the time, you know, he is this like dark brooding figure who just kind of comes off as whiny. But then like, sure. he's also like very funny. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the thing, man. Like if I, it's watching interviews of people who knew him best they're like oh he was a jokester you know yeah. and, and he, he's always romanticizing behind the cigarette in interviews <laughs> yeah. he's an enigma yeah. man one of my favorite interviews is when mtv or somebody was asking like what do you think about people charging 50 dollars for a concert ticket and his like mind is blown. He's like, "Who the fuck is charging fifty dollars for a concert ticket?" <laughs> They're like, "Madonna." And then Dave Grohl's like, "Oh, that's like a burlesque show, though." <laughs> it's just a really good interview because now oh, it's man. like fifty dollars is minimum for a concert ticket. Yeah, yeah. At times they are a changing. Um, this song's fantastic. <laughs> the chorus melody is super catchy, and I really love the like. Um, the chorus effect they put on his vocal where like yeah. his vocal like repeats and fades it's really really yeah. cool going um, back to the bass that you were talking about it's kind yeah. of primacy yeah <laughs> like in, in the best yeah. way you know yeah. right i um, never made that connection that is very cool it is <laughs> it's kind of a clay pool yeah like the effect they put on it and like it's really driving there's mm-hmm. so, lithium Um, so Sean talking about like learning all these songs on guitar, I obviously as a teenage guitar player did not because I wasn't in Nirvana, but listening to this album, it, yeah, it immediately was like, oh yeah, if I was 15 and playing guitar, I would, I would have the Nirvana songbook. I would want to know all of these songs because they're like a perfect mix for a like learning guitar player of like simple but complicated enough that you sound really cool and like but they're really fun to play dude i've been playing guitar you know 15 years and these chords and lithium still don't make sense and really? it's one of those yeah. like learning guitar back back when i learned this song and then like because nirvana was everything and then like Growing up in PJ, you talked about the Beatles, and Kurt's favorite record was uh, with the Beatles. Hmm. It almost has like this "All I Gotta Do." Uh, this song mm-hmm. now, like later learning "All I Gotta Do" by the Beatles, I'm like, oh, this is kind of like the lithium thing, Nirvana. Mm-hmm. You like listen to them side by side. It's it's pretty cool. 
Huh. Yeah, see, and now I think, like Peter said, I think I would probably be a much better guitar player had I, like, learned some Nirvana back in the day, you know? Yeah, it's the weird, weird structures. The structures of the songs are very, almost strange. Yeah. Yeah. Um, This one's pretty great. I kind of see why they think thought it was going to be a big single just because they they literally do dumb rock chorus of screaming yeah a bunch like, <laughs> it's so straightforward and like kind of <laughs> obvious but it's it's great it's like just a yeah it's got that arena sound yeah exactly yeah, yeah. there's no denying uh let's get to Polly. and i realized also like we are this is our first album that's there's no a and b this was a cd release so we just okay. yeah this is the I think first I keep album thinking of this. We've talked yeah. About. yeah. I keep thinking of this as the end of the A side and it's it's not. Uh so this song is about if it wasn't kind of obvious from the lyrics it's about a woman who has been kidnapped. And is apparently based off a real kidnapping of a 14-year-old girl in Tacoma, Washington. So, Kurt read it in a newspaper. And this song actually got a Bob Dylan head nod. Well, that makes me... The next thing I'm going to say seem less crazy. My favorite song on the album, I think. Wow. Pete, is it your least favorite? This makes what I'm going to say even more crazy. I think this song sucks. Oh, I like this one. I, I like hate this song. I think oh. it's boring and like sets an unfortunate standard for every hard rock group to do like an acoustic song where it's just a bunch of simple. It's it's too simple and in a way where it could work if it was like big and loud with the full band, but it's just boring. Pete, every rose has a storm. You gotta <laughs> pick your poison. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, I, like I, this I find story. nothing interesting about this, I gotta say. I think I really like the rhythmic rhythm guitar, you know? That sounds stupid, but you know what I mean. I, I know exactly what you mean. My favorite is that harmony, which is this Dave Grohl, or is this I think I think this is him double-tracked. I think so, too. For sure. I, this sounds to me like him double-tracked, yeah. Okay, this is the perfect... Here, I'm going to turn it up for a second. Okay, at a bad part. Good timing. Yeah. <laughs> All it says back yeah, now it's just in the chorus, I guess. Uh, but I'm if you watch Nirvana's Unplugged, that's definitely him double track. Yeah. Sure. Like the only thing is, like, if you watch Nirvana's MTV Unplugged and Dave Grohl starts singing, you're like, oh shit. Like their voices yeah. work so well together. Like, yeah. Which we will be talking about in a future episode. Oh, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Oh, no, you're good. You can talk about it all you want right now. <laughs> cool. All right. So Terrible. this is the only credited vocal for Chris Novoselic on this album. Hey. Is this intro. He's a Trump guy now, right? Oh, is he? I think so. No, he's in Washington. Let's look it up. I know. Well, and he was like, he was on the Senate or something or House of Representatives for a while for... Seattle or mayor of Seattle. I don't know. He was doing something weird. Uh, this song fucking rules. This is a this is fantastic. I love 
they didn't even really do this on Bleach, but just going like full punk rock is really, really satisfying to hear from them, I feel like. Because like, that whole first half is a lot of kind of mid-tempo-ish rockers, yeah. and so it just feels good. That's the thing with Nirvana. It's like my hot take is like every, they started the grunge movement, and so, but I think they're a punk band, man. Yeah. I think they're punk. I don't think they're grunge. And that's such a, I know, I know. They, they definitely have some very pop punky songs for sure. Um, well, he supported Democratic Senator Barack Obama in the 2008 presidential election. And then, yeah. In 2016, uh, he campaigned for Gary Johnson, the Libertarian, and then he called... Made a Facebook post discussing yeah, yeah, yeah. Donald Trump's speech in response to unrest following the murder of George Floyd. He called Trump strong and direct. And then he said, yeah, he said later, as an avowed independent, I don't endorse a major party or candidate. And it feels insane to have to say this, but I don't support fascism or an authoritarian okay. state. I take back what I said. I don't think he's a Trump guy. But he, he just, did have a dust up around Trump. Yeah, so he must have been. He said him. one thing sure. that, like, good speech, but he did not yeah. support him, which is good. Yeah. But what was Well, and he's been pretty hardcore Democrat or, like, just generally left left wing yeah. his whole life up to then. So, um, yeah. Chris yeah. Novostelic's Wikipedia page has what a it's life. long, dude. What yeah. a life, dude. Like, look up fucking any other bassist thing who is not also the <laughs> thing, and it will be one paragraph. Uh, now we're to drain you. Um, is, which, uh, if we're talking catchy songs, holy shit, this is just like pure jangly pop with turned up guitars. I love this song so much. It has the squeaky toy in it, mm. and it has uh, of the legendary Drain You scream. Uh, okay, you're gonna have toy. to tell we'll both of to... us what, or you're gonna have to tell us what both of those things are. <laughs> um, so a squeaky toy is a squeaky toy. <laughs> I understand, but I don't know a squeaky toy in this song. Sure, sure, sure. Um. Yeah, the song is insane. Where, where's the squeaky toy, Sean? Uh, there's, it's, it, it's in lieu of a guitar song. Oh, it's okay, really, okay. It's, there's like this breakdown section, and a lot of, a lot of performers, um, you have to understand, these guys in the fun were doing, you know, hundreds of dates a year, and yeah. to have this song in the set, and just blow out your voice doing the drain you scream. Mm. It's legendary in my mind, but after this, it just blood curdling screams and does it live. Live performers don't do that. Yeah. You know? It's very cool. This part, there's a squeaky toy. Oh, yeah. I, never, I just I thought that was like you're tapping. That's a squeaky toy. Yeah. 
Chris Novoselic is a licensed FAA pilot. Wow. Look at that. Alright, here's the screen. That screen. Damn. There's a compilation on YouTube where, like, every live show they have that screen. Oh, yeah. Man, that's my favorite. That's crazy. Why the fuck? If you're on tour, don't you, like, Chris, you aren't even singing. You can just do the scream every night. Take that on. Drink a fucking cup of tea and do that. Take it's a your one thing every night, me. Chris. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I know. This motherfucker, he doesn't contribute at all. He's just playing bass. Doesn't even write songs. Doesn't sing. Come on, man. Hey, he's credited for one intro. Uh, let's get to Lounge Act. Heck yeah. Bass lines, we talking. Yeah. I like that bass tone too. Sure. Do you think Chris wrote that bass part? Because Kurt played bass too. Oh, I didn't know that. There's some home Hell, Dave could have done it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> For all I know. Once again, like, it really just it feels like they're taking that, like, just a pop song and. and making it as hardcore as possible essentially this, but sure. it's a great this song it's so catchy yeah. yeah it has that uh, sliver of, like uh, mm. formula where it goes like soft chorus soft chorus and then the last chorus like as yeah. a sliver that goes yeah so it always builds you know I do like that, yeah, that part. And it's just, it's, again, fucking nuts that on Bleach, it sounds like he can barely sing in any range. And then on this album, he is fully in two different octaves. And, like, it's incredible how good his voice apparently is. Um, yeah, this song's great. Like, yeah, this chorus is just insanely uh, sugary. It's great. Sugary is a great way to play. <laughs> Oh, I really like this. Not really solo. Hit a late, I guess. Yeah. He doesn't even sound like he's at the top of his range. No. It's impressive. Like, he still has a lot of control. The melodic screaming, man, yeah. is the hardest. God, this song's fantastic. This song somehow picks up, or this album somehow seems like it picks up more on the second half, crazily. There's a, like it's got these giant, songs, but yeah, then, yeah, it gets like it's got these it. giant songs, like you know, uh, all the tent poles on the front, and it's great, but it's like you're moving between you know, Stones and Stonehenge, and then you come <laughs> here and it's just like you're on, yeah, just like pop song after pop song after pop song. It's great. I talked about Nirvana covers. Jessica Mayfield had a great cover of Object. Oh, nice. Now to stay away. And you get the rare, good bass line, great drum line here. Yeah. yeah. On Nirvana's With the Lights Out, there's a version of this. The first version is called Pay to Play, instead of mm. the chorus is Pay to Play, which it's about like venues charging the artists mm. oh yeah it's a national yeah. staple <laughs> yeah. yeah 
I. Oh, go ahead, Sean. Well, I, I don't know why it's that's the thing. Pay to play also fits so well. Anyways, Pete. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say this is maybe my least favorite song here on the second part of the album. And I think it's just a little too long for me. I really like it, but it's like a full three and a half minute song where I feel like it would work better as a little bit of just like a short stab of like intensity here. It also it feels like two or two and a half. Yeah, it also feels like the place Breathe did on the first half. It has a very Breathe Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah, they purposely, and it's good. Most most uh, album, whoever orders all these albums, like most of the time they do a terrible job. And they did a good job on this one because like they realized like, oh, it's track 10 on a 13 track album. We need a little hit to keep everyone in it at this point. But I like this song. Um, yeah. You saying that it had different lyrics is very reminiscent of, and I guess this is basically just any band who's put out like a anthology thing, like the Beatles did, because you know you hear a lot of like those original Beatles songs with like the original lyrics that have changed, but then the Beach Boys did it, like um, "Hold On to Your Ego." Um, sure. Um, that one song. <laughs> I, I know they're in yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it, it it is interesting when they just like seemingly change lyrics for no reason like hold on to your ego is i think a much better lyric than i know there's an answer hang on to your ego to me is like that tongue-in-cheek middle finger that i really like (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. that's same with pay to play yeah i like that on a plane and p-l-a-i-n not p-l-a-n-e well, as we know, Chris Novoselic sometimes is on the plane. Pilot. <laughs> uh, the, also, at the beginning of this song, I swear there's armpit fart noises. PJ, go back and turn it up. All right, yeah. I'm going all the way up, so be just just know that that's. That I noise right there? Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> right there. It's like, it sounds like an armpit fart. Like, that's really funny. But can't do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. They try. They're more practice. It might become a, a multi-seller. <laughs> I think you're right. That's crazy. Uh, one more time, we just have a very, very nice, catchy, poppy, hard rock song. It's fantastic. This uh, this song again, the chords, absolutely nuts. The lyrics yeah. uh, are very meta, in the sense of like, oh, meta lyrics aren't something. John Lennon always talked about them, but he, it was never a self referral. Like yeah. he was like, yeah, my lyrics don't make any sense, so be it. Uh, he has this uh, run off laws that don't make sense, which yeah. is like a John Lennon plus one <laughs> the next step of just like hey i'm telling you fuck you in your face during this instead yeah. of uh, <laughs> later um, yeah. i like that it's a good thing that you're here sean because i've realized on this album i don't have a lot to say except this is another good song because i just really enjoyed <laughs> listening to this whole thing and was not like i i love listening to it and yeah did not 
did not get super deep into into it more than that. So. Oh man, this this record raised. Yeah. I just like truly can't get over how good of a drummer Dave Grohl is. <laughs> yeah. And like I've known these good. It's funny that because he, I think he's drummed for Paul McCartney and Tom Petty. I think oh. Tom Petty on Saturday Night Live. Hmm. Uh, and he was shocked that Tom Petty asked him to like come drum for him. He was like, "You're asking me? I'm yeah. not good at drumming." But no, yeah. he's like such a good drummer. Maybe yeah. a weird choice for Tom Petty, but yeah, yeah. I wonder. I really want to know whether Chad Channing was actually that bad, or whether Bleach was just recorded really bad. Because it's yeah. like the drums sound like shit, but most of it is just that they sound like the recording is so bad. It's like, I don't think technically he was that bad of a drummer. And then with this album, you're like, wow, this drummer is really good, but also you can hear the drums really well. And they're, yeah. the tone and everything of them is so nice that it's like, it stands out even more. So yeah, it's interesting. Uh, let's get to something in the way. Our, the If we're doing quiet singer songwriter, uh, song on a hard rock album this this is definitely i would say the the better cut personally but sure this song is in its renaissance too with the new uh batman thing oh oh was this in the new right. batman it was yeah yes. nice. it, this song is, is in its renaissance yeah um, i watched that movie like a week ago nice real weird um yeah, so this is our one and only song with some extra, I guess, instruments because uh, they get a cello player to, to come in on this one. So I might be wrong. This might. I like Polly a lot. I really do like that song. This might be. A, I think I like this song better. I think I take it back. This is my favorite song on the album. I think. Sure. This is. This is the quintessential. It's like John Lennon did it of the double vocal because this one's yeah. double tracked. Um, I to tell you the truth, I always thought this is disgusting, but I thought it was Kurt Cobain. I, where he goes, I'm living off of grass and the drippings from the ceiling. Oh. Every time when I was listening to it, I thought he said, I'm living off of grass and the drippings from the so, so sorry. Drippings from my semen. And like, it <laughs> sounds like in S13, I'm like, yeah. I don't get it, but uh, it's hardcore, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Fucking A. <laughs> Dude, semen always be dripping up in here. Dude, I don't know. man. <laughs> Man, I really need to move. My landlord won't take care of the dripping <laughs> semen in my ceiling. It's no good. Uh, but this song fucking rules. It's a good song. It does. It and is really good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This bridge actually exists, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is like... I mean, I know we're in the CD era, but like, I think I think if they if they just would have cut Polly out of here, I'd be so much happier. I like Polly. One slow song, but have you ever tried New Wave Poly on Sesquicide? No. All right. We'll give that a listen <laughs> after. <laughs> we skipped over. Um, that was their their like EP or whatever between these, like right? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We skipped over that one, but we'll check it out. Uh, so, and then apparently, I 
I said this wrong earlier. It was supposed to be a 10-minute silent break in between this and Endless Nameless on the original album, which is... That's fucked up. That's obnoxious to do. Like, you're going to do a hidden track. Because no one, no one is leaving it in... That's probably why they did it, is that no one's leaving their CD player running that long without taking well, it. Let me I tell disagree. You I think I have done that. Ten minutes. It scares the shit out of me. <laughs> I think that's probably why they did it. That's my guess, is that they thought it would be really funny to do that. So let's get to Endless Nameless and then talk over it, because it's trash. Oh. Is it, I've never... The guitars aren't in tune. It's a disaster. It's a dumpster it's... fire. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. the way the good Lord But yeah, it sounds like bleach. <laughs> they're having, they're having a laugh. Dude, well, you put it on ten minutes of silence and then this. Yeah, yeah. That will wake you from a deep sleep. All right. Well, let's start. Um, I don't know, PJ. Do you want to go first with your your thoughts on Nevermind? Yeah. So. You know, I have to be honest, after listening to Bleach and my years of, you know, actively not really being a Nirvana guy, I was not expecting to like this album. Yeah, you were feeling justified. <laughs> I was. After listening to Bleach, I was like, I still don't get it, man. After listening to this album all the way through, I get it. I, I really do. I think it was a great listen. Um, I don't think this is the most I've ever listened to an album for one of the episodes we've done but it's up there because it, it's a good listen it's like a little bit long but you know that's okay um but i i truly enjoyed listening to this album um and i'm i'm glad that i've you know finally kind of cracked that nirvana code if you will um it's good it's good stuff um and you know they're in the context of an album they're like hits quote unquote don't like annoy me as much and it's not even nirvana's fault that they annoyed me it's that they are so overplayed and that sucks yeah, and that sure. sucks when it happens to any song you know so yeah yeah i kind of felt the same way where like yeah when i fir the first time i put this album on i yeah thought oh my god i know this song and then i know this song and then i know this song and then the second time i put it on i didn't think about the fact that i would heard these songs a million times at all i was just hearing them it felt like except for smells like teen spirit i felt like i could listen to them all kind of for the first time again um because i agree with you it works even though they're all back to back it works better in the album for whatever reason so um yeah i feel very very similar to you pj it it felt a lot like uh i don't even know if i regret not having heard this as a teenager just because you know it whatever i didn't want to listen to nirvana then and that's fine but i absolutely understand it and like this album is crazy like i i i get how it's so famous i get why nirvana got so huge off of it and i get why it's like one of the best albums of all time it's probably the most consistently great album we have talked about on this show so far i would say maybe outside of a Jimi hendrix album I would agree with that. It's probably at nine or ten, or wait, there's 13 songs. It's probably at 11 or 12 great songs out of those 13, or it's at least close. So it's pretty, 
pretty nuts how how good it is. Yeah. Yeah. Sean, what are your what are your takeaways from Nevermind? I know this is the very it's, first time you've heard it, right? Or one hundred percent. On this uh, if record, anything, I've I've never uh, I've never been more grateful that when I discovered Nirvana and Nevermind, it wasn't like anyone. Um, when I was started playing guitar, I was learning these songs on my own kind of deal. But if someone was like, hey, man, this is how you'd be cool. I've been like, fuck you. Mm. And that's the way I think Nirvana is supposed to be all encompassed. Anyways, I think it's hilarious songs like Lithium uh, where they're like, hey, let's make an arena rock record, uh, arena rock song because it's funny. And then the joke got flipped so hard. Now, every time a football team scores a goal, they go, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, oh, that joke is now not ironic. Like, it's so... Anyways, I love this record so much. Um, it, it, it is incredible. Yeah. Uh, no biased opinions, by the way. I am, I am listening to it for the first time today. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's cool. It is endless. God damn, endless, man. Jesus. This thing really is endless. Um, the encore song, man. Yeah. If uh, they played this at a show, like if somebody started playing a song that sounded exactly like this, I'd go, oh, and I would I would leave. <laughs> I don't care if it's the first song. I, I would go. Oh, man. What? See, this is when I, this is the part of the set where I buy the other like all right yeah, there you go. how are they yeah. gonna top this yeah <laughs> yeah that's a good yeah that's a good point <laughs> all right what do we all want to rate never mind out of 10 uh i'm locked and loaded with my rating i don't want to go I'm, first i'm gonna give it a nine out of ten man this thing is like very nearly perfect i don't know if we even really count endless nameless because it's a hidden track yeah. But it, sure. it is trash. And then I, I don't love Polly. And like, I mean, it's it's almost just nitpicking to, to say it's not a 10 out of 10. But I think for me, it's not quite a 10 out of 10. But it is, like I said, I think it is the most consistent album we've heard from a 27 Club member. And it was since June. At least, I agree, PJ. I think close to the most I've listened to an album. I think in the week preceding the episode, like I think you know now we're a few months past Jimi hendrix and stuff i've listened to the stuff more yeah in total but in the week preceding the episode i definitely listened yeah. to this more than any other album so far it's just great yeah. I, i'm so, gonna second that mine's nine out of ten as well sorry to make you go last page but no you know. that, i wanted to go last because i okay, just cool. he, really want, he wants to tee up his four out of ten and why it actually <laughs> makes sense no, I, I'm going to say 8 out of 10. It's not yeah. quite a 9 for me. Definitely not a 10. And and my only qualm with it really is that it's a little bit long. Um, yeah. And if it's not actually that long, I don't know the runtime actually. It's 42 minutes without Endless Nameless. With Endless Nameless though, it's about 50. Uh, 49. Yeah, 49. See, you know, and that's not even that long of an album, but some of the songs make it feel longer, I think. Um, I am yeah. definitely including Endless Nameless with my rating. So um Fair. But, I think I am too. I think that's I think without Endless Nameless, yeah. I could argue yeah. myself into a 10. So But um some of the songs are just I think all of them are good pretty much. Some of them are just a little too similar to each other. 
yeah. for me to you know give it any higher but i think it was a great listen and i'm really glad that like i've now listened to nevermind you know so yeah it's kind of nuts. It, it's, it's probably the most famous album we've covered on the show. The most famous album that I'd never heard. Maybe yeah. aside from like Sticky Fingers, probably, or Exile on Main Street. Like, it's I up think there. This is the most famous album I've never yeah. heard because I had heard Sticky Fingers. I'd heard right. Pet Sounds. Yeah. I think I had heard most of Hendrix's stuff. Right. I think this is it. Yeah. It's pretty nuts. Huh. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Sean sorry. turned into a cat. Yeah, sorry, man. He's 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 a singer like his papa. I can't <laughs> I can't blame him. Nice. Well, Sean, do you have any closing thoughts on Nevermind? The cat is now attacking Sean. Do you have yeah, any closing sorry. thoughts on Nevermind or just Nirvana in general? Because uh, as we as we keep listening through their career, yeah. Uh, closing thoughts: greatest band of all time. Uh, 27 yeah. club went to went too soon i would love to of i would would love to have the misfortune of watching kurt cobain sell out because that is the biggest question i have in my brain would he have done a scary movie like mr dave Grohl? <laughs> yeah yeah clearly or, dave Grohl had no problem selling out sure, he was sure. happy to do it <laughs> yeah man but uh i don't know yeah i i love nirvana always have always will so it feels good i have a real nice. quick question for you sean follow up yeah man do you think he killed himself i was wondering when this question was gonna arise do i think he killed himself i will take the easy way out and say yes okay. I, do think he okay. I know i know statistically and everything else goes against that and i've read everything but personally the wave that i easiest i can sleep at night is yeah he did kill himself. damn and follow up to that do you think he killed himself because he actually wanted to be a member of the 27 club i don't know man because you, you look at things and it's like oh he was having the happiest time of his life he just had a kid yeah hey man this is this is yeah. i don't know i don't yeah. know i I don't know. I don't know. No one knows. And that's what makes the 27 Club so intriguing is the mystery that surrounds each and every member. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, Sean, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Thank you yeah, for having, appreciate um, having you on. We yeah, loved, it was really fun. Yeah. We loved having an actual, uh, ironically, we got our first actual Nirvana fan when PJ and I maybe became Nirvana fans ourselves. But <laughs> yeah, it was nice to have, yeah, someone, someone, uh, with us along the ride, just like that marijuana was with you when you listened to the Rolling Stones. Yeah, sticky fingers, yeah, man. That's right. Uh, <laughs> so before we go, do you? You are a musician by trade. Correct. Any, you might be. You you're our first guest with actually something professional to probably plug. So <laughs> oh we're happy my to. Goodness, uh, <laughs> we play in a band called Father Son. It's Father S U N N. We have two records coming out this year. Uh, please follow us on Instagram and YouTube and buy our shit because that'd be cool. Hell yeah. And I think Excellent. once I cannot remember whether this was before we started recording, but if people like Nirvana, it sounds like they're going to like you a little bit. You're a musician. Sure. I'm anti-authorian too. Anti yeah. yeah. Punk rock, dude. <laughs> right on. Cool. Yep. Uh, and I, since I have seen John play live. It is very yeah. good. 
<laughs> oh, very thanks, good DJ. great time thank you thank you right um I guess also, since this feels so structured now, all of a sudden, uh, you can email us with any of your thoughts on Nirvana, Bleach, Nevermind, or Sean's appearance uh, at beachboysboys at gmail.com. And you can also rate and or review us on iTunes because we're doing what a real podcast do and telling you to do that now. So Yeah. So. Have fun. Hey, smash that subscribe. <laughs> yeah, we don't have ads. <laughs> and probably never will so enjoy enjoy that listeners we're still yeah. underground so. you're welcome yeah you're fucking welcome <laughs> all right well i'll see you next time at the crossroads boys and i'll see you on that other side of that never-ending uh, heaven that is nirvana you pulled it out <laughs> i tried A Beach Boys Boys production.